Kipper and Bourne, show number 83. As we wrapped up the National Hockey League season, going into the NHL sponsorship weekend. <laughs> <laughs> no? Uh, yeah. yeah. What's the best way to describe it? The NHL's <laughs> some star you game. You didn't like that, Sammy? Loved it. Certain star game. Yeah. Okay. That works. It's the all-star break. It's the Olympic break. It's the you, COVID break. It's the bye week. I don't know what you want to call it. It's Kipper, you said the end break. of the, the season there, and you had me dreaming that we didn't have to go through this death <laughs> march of knowing who the eight teams in the in the Eastern Conference are. We just fast forward to the playoffs. But yeah. Never. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, pushing all the right buttons. Sammy McKee producing regular Motley crew on board today. And as we wrapped up last night going into the quote-unquote all-star break, mm-hmm. thinking, yeah, we're going to kind of cruise in the rest of the week. Thursday, Friday, just sit back. Shoot the shite. <laughs> if and you just, put an E on it, it's not a swear. And just cruise in. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Not at all. Thanks to Rocky Wirtz. Last, I guess yesterday, but seen last night by hockey fans all over the world, unleashes on reporters at a Blackhawks town hall. Not not a major press conference, a town hall. Isn't that a open to the public event where you anticipate getting questions about things that have happened to your organization? Town halls? Isn't that the general concept of a town hall? I can't think of anything that should be set up with a softball more than a town hall. And even if you get a knuckle curve or a hard pitch to hit, you know what you say? All the right things, wouldn't you? Rocky Wirtz got into it with uh, two reporters, particularly. Mark uh, Lazarus from The Athletic. And Philip Thompson from the Chicago Tribune. Let's let's have a listen. Let's have a sample. I think much of what happened to Kyle Beach stemmed from a, a power imbalance between a coach and a player and the powerlessness of a player in that situation. So what are the Blackhawks doing? What have the Blackhawks done? What will the Blackhawks do to empower? a player in a similar situation to make sure that doesn't happen again. I'm going to answer the question at the end. I think the report speaks for itself. The people that were involved are no longer here. We're not looking back at 2010. We're looking forward. And we're not going to talk about 2010. I'm we're, not talking about I, I know, and I'm not either. And we're not going to talk about what happened. We're moving forward. That is my answer. Now, what's your next question? I can pick up to what we are doing today. And I think no, that- I don't know. That's none of your business. That's none of your business. What we're going to do today is our business. I don't think it's any of your business. How is it not my business? Because I don't think it's any of your business. You don't work for the company. If someone in the company asks that question, we'll answer it. And I think you should get on to the next subject. We're not going to talk about Kyle Beach. We're not going to talk about anything that happened. Now we're moving on. What more do I have to say? You want to keep asking the same question? Do you hear the same answer? Okay, ask the next question. Oof. That took 
pissy to another level. <laughs> Where's Jim Matheson when you eat them? <laughs> oh, I wish we could have paired them up. I didn't even put that together. God. Why are you so pissy? <laughs> okay. You wake up this morning and you go, what, what happened here? Town hall meeting, which I think is kind of reserved for season ticket holders or just, yeah, media. Some reporters. Of course, yeah. some reporters. But how are you not prepped for this? How did you not know what was coming, i.e., the questions and where where was Rocky Wirtz's head to not have his canned answer ready for a question the whole world knew was coming. Like if you had to portray an entitled rich old white man in a movie, <laughs> would you not like the only you would cast like Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life to play Rocky Wirtz in that role. I just, I can't, it's staggering, honestly, that not only does he not think the right things, but not even know how to pretend to say the right things. Like, did it not just reveal to you how he thinks about what went down and how he talks about what went down behind closed doors? How, what is the worst part of that exchange to you? What is it? that you listen to that and upsets you the most about it? Is it just the lack of prep, the lack of expectation? Like, this wasn't three years ago that this happened. This was two months ago. This is, you know, this is a very, very, very recent story that has been one of the bigger ones in hockey for the last two months, and you're having a town hall with season ticket holders and you don't think it's going to come up? I, I tell you, the worst thing about it, well, aside from the greater picture of, you know, what it says about the culture of hockey and the culture of what they think and yeah, yeah, yeah. The worst thing about it is that how unnecessary it was. The questions to Danny. The question's not even too right. rocky. And he steps at, He's not in the line of fire, and he gets in the way of line of fire. And when Danny goes to say the right things and say, here's what we're trying to do, he doesn't even allow him to say the right things. Mm. You know when I saw Unforced it? Unforced error times 10. You know what I was thinking of? Huh. A few good men. <laughs> oh, no, I'm serious. You need me on that wall. Oh, no, no. Uh, playing the part of Tom Cruise, the reporters, although they're nowhere near as good looking, I think, and can make a billion dollars making movies. But Rocky Wirtz was Jack Nicholson and A Few Good Men, where you know Without getting where it's going, and he's begging to say for what you he to really ask thinks. the question. <laughs> and he is looking at... The reporters and going, you snotty nosed kid. <laughs> and he says, I'm going to tell you if I ordered the code red. You got that right. You got that right. I did. <laughs> That's it. We're not going to talk about anything that happened. I now, ordered the on. code red. What, what do I have to say? Rocky Wirtz yesterday told everybody he ordered the code red. And all seriousness, yes. He is looking at the reporters and saying, "It's over. I make the rules. I dictate. Uh, this is mine. I own no, it. You change the subject. I own this moment. It's over. What are you going to do about it? And why does he think he owns the moment? Because he stroked a check. And just the way that people think that 
You know, old rich dudes get rid of problems. Well, he paid for it, so he thinks that it's just going to go away. Well, that's not how this works. And and this is over when I say it, it's over. Yeah. That's what he told the hockey world. Move on. You don't have the right to ask me any more questions. I own this moment. How do you go in a public setting taking questions and then have the audacity to push back? So one of the other things that's come up through this, and I've seen it was talked about, they, they had a chat about it on, on TNT uh, during the intermission last night, was was there something prior to between Mark Lazarus and the owner, Rocky Words, had there been, you know, an exchange? Uh, Mark Lazarus actually addressed that on his Twitter feed this morning, saying that, like, he sat down with Rocky a couple times. There hasn't been any real animosity between the two of them. But I guess... If you are in this position where you've been reading the coverage, which is rightful coverage, it's not like they're making up a story. This thing has been one of the hottest button issues in the sport. It's been written about, as the owner, he probably has this built up, I don't know, animosity towards the reporter and he just took it out on them in the worst possible time. But do you think that's a part, like, what is it that made him snap? Because it wasn't like it was an unfair question. It was a really articulate, well-asked question from a professional reporter. You know what it was? It was... We need to ask this. Let's get it over with, and then we'll get on to everything else. Just, you know, it's actually an opportunity for those guys to crush a softball over the fence and say, what are you doing? Just tell everyone you've made changes, you've seen the error your ways. And actually, Kipper, it's a chance to redeem 2010. Instead of saying we're not talking about 2010, we've rectified the wrongs of 2010 and tried to sanitize it a little bit. How can any uh, a town hall meeting be anything but preparing to get that message out. Right. Not season tickets. Look at what we've not, done to, to change. Not new hot dogs in the stands. Just just win this little moment here and you have a better chance of making people forget. Yeah, if that's what you want. And, you know, good for, for Laz uh, answering the question. Sammy, to get back to what you were saying, though, I don't, I don't think it's anything to do with the relationship because the guy we got on later, Philip Thompson, by the way, he's coming on our show today, is another reporter entirely, and Wirtz kept the exact same tone with him. So it wasn't about the person. It was about generally the coverage and generally the topic. And to me, what I see is an owner who looks at the situation and thinks he got shook down in the whole thing. He resents what happened. That's my takeaway. I see a man who doesn't, you know, see that something went wrong and tried to make it right. He tried to make this problem go away and is frustrated it didn't. And it's not going away. Nope. This certainly didn't help. We also have Philip Thompson, one of the reporters that was there at the uh, town hall uh, meeting and asked that second question. He's going to join us in the second hour of our show. Answer some of those questions. So we'll get... You uh, want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I love that. I love love that movie. I've never seen that movie. Oh, my gosh. I knew knew that was going to be the reaction. I've never seen it. Let's leave right now. We're going to go play it somewhere. (laughs) Okay, well, let's go watch it. That scene's really as good as it gets. So we'll have have Philip on, and and we'll talk about uh, uh, just the reaction to this, especially... Amongst the fans, I'd be love to know what season ticket holders think. You know, I, well, it, well, ask Philip. Well, yeah. ask Philip this because he mentioned that in his question. He said he knows that some people are yeah. concerned about the value of their season and, tickets. And well, the Black Hawks suck. They got pasted too last night Five on national television. In the wake of that, oh my god! And this is really, I think, for Rocky Wirtz, it's just 
he, he certainly doesn't like the way the media has been handled, handling all of this. And he took it out on those guys. But when you're in his position for a long time, it's not a lot of people that stand up to you or say no to you. Yeah. It's true. And is that what you see there? You That's see, what I saw there. Yeah. I mean, boy, someone needs to let him know what's going on now. Um, there was some interesting responses to this. Um, there was Sheldon Kennedy's, and then there was the NBA comparisons. Which do you yeah. want to touch on first? Uh, Sheldon Kennedy. Okay. So Sheldon Kennedy uh, took to Twitter. I'm just going to pull this up really quick. And basically, you know, he said, this this type of behavior is exactly... Oh, hold on. We have, is exactly how people get hurt. The whole panel, including his CEO son, who I believe had some good answers to the question, were frozen in fear to speak up. This is the exact behavior that needs changing, period. It's true. And that's right. No it's one there on. is able to speak up we, to the guy. We had uh, Eddie Olchuk on a couple of days ago on our show. He was there. Um, he was kind of um, the moderator, moderating the, yeah. the whole thing uh, as well. Um Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was a question kind of regarded to uh, Rocky's son, yeah, Danny. Yes, yes. And he cut him off. Yeah. No, yes. he didn't. He didn't cut him off. He He's said, like, let me take let that. Let me take this. And then Danny goes to get in there and he says, no. It, I mean, I know you are a succession fan, Kipper, but it gave me real succession vibes. All right. I, I, I had Jack Nicholson. You have Logan Roy. I got it, Mr. Potter. It, so just we're all remind, over the media. it just reminded me of a guy, like, like you said, it's perfectly put. This guy never hears no. This guy has been, he owns everything. He's rich. He just gets whatever he wants at all times. And he thinks, like like Borny said, it's the ultimate See, entitled rich guy thing that growing I, up brat. It's like, here's money. Yeah. This makes, here's money. That I makes everything, everything go away See, money. I, I watch that and I, I think, I think that's the truest sense we can have of who Rocky Wirtz is. I know. In a very short period Bingo. of time. Absolutely. And now we do, we have heard of a public apology. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> we, he apologized, but guess what? We know how you feel, pal. Like, yeah. you can say whatever you want in the heat of the... That's, that's his true opinion. He said what he feels. That's his team around him, his yes. PR department saying, you need to do this and you need to do it now. Uh, he's, you know, sorry, he, not sorry. PR unfixable on, on that guy yeah. for this one. So this is a team. We just heard from the Anaheim uh, Ducks naming Pat Verbeek. We'll, we'll talk about that. They named their general manager. This is a team that's looking for one. And we've heard some names who are very interested. Uh, Eddie Olchuk, I'm sure is interested. Mm -hmm. uh, Kevin Weeks, we've heard his name. Whatever that list looks like, how many of them are scratching their names off that list? How many would still be interested in still working for Rocky Wirtz today, JB? Well, you know, it's just and, such a it's so coveted, right? Getting those GM jobs. Like, you know, I think of how many owners in sports are so bad people don't want to work for them. Well, Melnick, maybe, in Ottawa. That's, uh, who else you got? James Dolan. Some people yeah, maybe don't, I but I don't think it stops anybody from wanting those kind of, jobs. That's kind of my point. Like it's you can if a GM would, would job you, in the NHL would, is a GM job. Would you work NHL. for Rocky Wirtz today? I, the honest answer, Kipper, is I would because I would love to be the GM of the Blackhawks and they pay me two million billion dollars and it would change my life. 
I could put up with that guy. It, it sounds gross, but I would. But I know there's people who don't need money like me who might say no. I'm I, in a different spot than I, Eddie O is. I think... Well, others, right? And others are... Some still need to put food on their table, uh, and, and others look at it as... Uh, no, there's, so there's the more to it than that. the qualified and experienced people are probably saying no. They're probably saying that that turns me off. I don't want to be involved. So then the thing that... I'm interested in here is I, I don't think it's been as in the NHL it's been as prevalent as it has been in the NBA but there's been some issues in the NBA with some owners you think of Sterling who was caught with the, that awful tape with the racism he lost his team he got kicked out of the league Robert Sarver with the Suns has been under huge fire with his issues behind the scenes back to back to home of ESPN or an unbelievable article about that and people are saying to Rocky Wirtz you know maybe it's time to step down as chairman this or that where do you guys land on that? I, I don't think it's a thing where you're just going to give up the, the keys to a billion-dollar sports franchise. Well, first but, of all, why would you if you're Rocky? Because people outside of it think that he, this is how he feels about something and you shouldn't be entitled to own one of the most coveted things in the world if this is how you feel about the people that cover it and the yeah, people that's, that... Yeah, that's, that's not enough to sell, my, I, sell the course. team. I, of course. I feel I'm just, like you okay. don't I'm think that either, Sammy, yeah. I'm just presenting the case. Uh, it's a weak case. You're For pre- sure. You're presenting a very weak <laughs> case. Okay? <laughs> there is, Sammy... More, but I got lots of weak cases. No, I know, <laughs> I know, but like even Sterling. Sterling made a, a racist remark. And it was caught on tape. That's a okay. clear reason to... Smoking gun. Smoking gun. Where is... Rocky Wirtz is smoking gum yes, in any of this. Well, they, no, this. it's, it's this nothing. Is head. This is all This is nothing. I know. This is a rich guy looking at a couple of reporters Parading and going, oh, oh, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. I, I'm not answering like, it. I tip your yearly salary hey, in the bagel shop, buddy. See a scram, <laughs> beat it. Yeah. But I'm just saying, that's a conversation. That's not a smoking gun. That's just a, an, an arrogant guy saying, I've got my way a long, long time, and I will continue to get away so, with it. And there's nothing you can do about it. Write a bad article. It doesn't matter. When does So what does Gary think about this? Well, I that's do wonder. Question. Yeah, I do wonder well, from like a league PR. We're going to find out. You think he's going to, I mean, he hasn't said anything about it yet. Are you kidding me? Oh, think, oh, Tomorrow, yeah. all-star. To oh, my oh, God, I forgot about that. He's going to be so mad about this. What do you think the first question's going to be? Number one. Lazarus first in line. Number one. Laz is there, too. He's yeah. in the... He's how, happy, how happy is Gary Bettman oh my going God. into Vegas and now dealing with this? But here's the... Yeah, I know. You can't take away a billion dollar asset because someone's mean or you don't like them or the PR is bad, right? That's not how, but I, I, can you, like, there, do you there's, need there's no incriminating evidence whatsoever, but on Rocky words, but the NHL is, you know, he is a part of a league of teams. If they decide they don't want him to be a part of the NHL yeah. just because they don't like him, can they get rid of him? I mean, you could, right? You say, this is our league. There are there are 32 teams in the NHL. Right. They're not all treated equally. Newsflash. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There are teams, and then there's the Boston Bruins. Right. And there are teams, and there are the Chicago Blackhawks. So this one's a little trickier to deal with. The premier franchise in the NHL. This is... 
right? These guys have been uh, like... It's a crown jewel, the yeah. Blackhawks, on, for sure. On, on, on the NHL board. I think on a couple of occasions, I think over the past 25 years, probably been mentioned to Gary Bettman, you work for us. We, we don't work for you. Mm-hmm. So I think this one's going to be tricky for Gary to go in tomorrow. And I'm sure he's going to be prepped a lot better than Rocky was. Yeah. But he's going to have to, he's going to have to be kind of careful on this one. And the first thing he needs to do, and again, this is just me talking off the top of my head. The first thing he's going to have to acknowledge is that that was as uncomfortable for him to watch as it was for us. We should do the Gary Bettman press conference at the end of the show. I'll I'll be like, I'll interview you as Gary, and you tell me exactly what Gary would say, because it's predictable. He's going to say that they're disappointed in what Rocky said. They don't agree with what, you know, the stance he took there. The NHL has done all the right. He will say all the right things about their disappointment uh, and then I agree. brush it under the rug. Well, not brush. Yeah, and then just focus on the positives, uh, which Rocky should have done. Well, and he'll say, here's what the Blackhawks have done. Here's That's the right. programs. You know, they you know they settled their suit. They He's he's going to say the things exactly. He's going to be Danny Wirtz tomorrow. Correct. Yeah. At no point is he going to say it's okay. He's just going to... Try to get this over with. Everyone just wants it to go away in those positions of power. And, and Rocky did the middle favor. Ultimately, for the Chicago Blackhawks and Rocky Wirtz, is what does yesterday really do in the grand scheme of things? Because it, it it's lit a fire under the media. And it's, as we know, what the ripple effect is on social media. But ultimately, what does it mean in the big picture moving forward? Nothing. When it comes to customers, season ticket holders, like I don't think anything. There's pro- do they have a wait list in Chicago for season tickets? I, I think, and and this is where we'll we'll get into it uh, later on in the show with Philip uh, Thompson from uh, Chicago Tribune, is that w- where is the fallout in in all of this? Mm-hmm. For the fans, uh, will people stay away because of this? Or does Rocky know something that everybody else doesn't really know? Is that I get get to tell you to go screw off because deep down, my fans, they just want to buy a program, buy a hat, buy a jersey, buy a hot dog, and grab their $17 beer and cheer for Pat Kane. And nobody wants to hear any of this. Okay, this is just you guys pushing this narrative constantly. And nobody wants to hear it anymore. So maybe maybe that's it at the end of the day. Rocky's sitting there going, you guys want to go down this path? That's fine. I'll choose this path. And uh, I'll continue to look after my fans. Yeah, I'm going to say his bottom line is not going to be affected too much, as awful as it was. All right. Enough for now. Yes. Man, that was a fast 23 minutes on <laughs> Rocky Words. Let's go to somebody I think can cover uh, day-to-day NHL better. Gary Galley, friend of the show. How are you? Good, good, great, Kipper. Morning. How are you guys? You want you want two cents on all of this and what you saw? I mean, you've been around the game a long time, but it uh, it still amazes us, doesn't it, Gary? What we can see in here. Yeah. Um... You know, I, I think that, um, well, first, largely, I mean, everyone's capable of having a bad day. I, I think that's something that 
um, you know, we've, we've seen from time to time that people can have a bad day. But I think with everything going on and the fact that we're trying to just be more um, aware and uh, transparent with things so people have a comfortability, I don't think that was a, a, a good look at all. And um, it's okay. I know that, that the organization has probably been going through this at nauseum over and over and over again, but you know what? It happened on your watch. It happened in amongst you and it wasn't handled right. And whatever comes your way, you got to take it and you got to take it. If if you really are, uh, if you really care about what you're saying and the things that you were saying, I think you have to, you have to have answers and you have to be able to have them ready. And uh, because it's the only way things are going to move forward and you don't, you know, want people say, well, it's just the same old, same old, you know, you apologize, you say, we're going to do this and that, and then everything moves on and then everyone forgets about it. And then you just move on. It's, it, it, I don't think that's the case and it shouldn't be the case. Um, I think the questions were, were good questions. They were legitimate questions. They were, they were talked about prior to going in in the briefing. I think that, you know, he had to be prepared to handle them. And, you know, I don't know, you know, why he just uh, decided to go that route. I mean, obviously the apology today and, you know, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it, it was difficult to watch for sure. And, and uh, you just hope that the things that, uh, that are going on in that organization are, are, are hopefully um, in a positive way that this will never happen again. Yeah, that was tough to watch. That's a really good way to put it. Just a full-on cringe fest. So we'll, uh, we'll leave that there and we'll, we'll move on to uh, on-the-ice stuff. And we, we wanted to get your thoughts on some things for, from Canadian teams around the league. One, one thing we haven't touched on a ton so far this season uh, is the Winnipeg Jets. You know, the, the Winnipeg Jets are a team that hasn't got a lot of attention but have high expectations, have some elite talents, just can't seem to pull it together. What are your thoughts on, on where the Jets are at as a team that we thought in Canada that might be decent that has not been decent? They're, they're, they're a, a team that I think a lot of people looked at some of the pieces and said, look, at the, you know, they got the goalie. You know, they, they, they've got some really talented forwards. And, you know, can their defense piece it together? They seem to have done a fairly good job of, of, of you know, the, the bucket brigade, piecing it all together and getting, and getting it done. Uh, but I think what I see and what a lot of people seem to be talking about is maybe, uh, you know, Connor Hellebuck, who plays a lot of minutes and plays a lot, uh, possibly could be, you know, uh, uh, maybe running out of gas a little bit. And maybe he needs, uh, you know, this, he hasn't really played consistently as well as he's capable of playing, I think. There, you could say that almost to a man. I mean, obviously, Kyle Connor has been uh, lights out and, and, and looked really good. Uh, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who, when they made the trade for him, uh, you know, I think this year has been a much better year, but I still think they expected him, uh, you know, to, to, you know, maybe be a little more a little more of that power forward and generate a little more. But, I mean, he does have nine power play goals. And, right. Uh, you know, and so he is, he is having a decent year. But, you know, Shifley has, uh, has been hot and cold. Wheeler's been banged up and hurt and, and dealing with, uh, you know, COVID and things like that. There's just been a lot of things. Ehlers got hurt. You know, when, when things are going wrong like that, it's hard to get any kind of rhythm and it's hard to get any kind of, uh, to catch up at all. So they've, they really haven't. To, to me, I, I just don't see this team making the playoffs. Uh, Paul Maurice leaving certainly was, although a lot of people felt like, you know, wow, a, a guy that leaves and says, look, at, I don't see this team improving underneath me. And I've tried everything, therefore I need to give someone else a shot at this. I still think that puts a huge dent in the armor of a bunch of players that were playing for him. 
Uh, I know that you know we we never see that too often. A coach decides to leave the team, mm-hmm. but it does speak volumes about the team as well. And I, and, and I I don't think necessarily in a good way that the coach feels like they're not longer responding or he can't get any more out of them, and maybe someone can get more. It's almost like a it's almost like a disappointment almost. So there's a lot of stuff going on in there underneath the surface that 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 could really uh, I think throw things off. The one thing in, in Winnipeg was that. Pierre-Luc Dubois was supposed to give Mark Scheifele uh, a one-two punch that was as good as any in the league. And that hasn't happened. And you mentioned the inconsistency of Scheifele, but he, he's, he is not, he's not that, that dominant or that, that franchise type of heartbeat uh, guy that he has shown that he could be in the past. Factor in that... Wheeler is hurt, but even before that, his play had dropped off. Can, can they capture anything back to make a push? Or is that chip sailed for a guy like Blake Wheeler? Is, is Father Time pick, picked up on him as well? Well, it's definitely, it's definitely catching up. It's, it's running in behind him for sure. You know, you can hear the, foot, the footsteps. But, you know, I still look at, at, at Wheeler, and I look at a very above-average above skater, he certainly can keep up to the speed of the National Hockey League. He's always been somebody who doesn't have an issue going into the traffic areas. Um, you know, I, I, I think he will still be, uh, you know, a decent player for them and, and, and do some good things. But when you're banged up and you're not healthy and things aren't going good, teams losing, it's hard to get things running again. And, you know, I, I go back to that hit on Evans in the playoffs by Shifley last year, you know, and, and, and those kind of things have an effect on you. You know, they do. And I know sometimes – to play this game, you got to have all your all all everything focused in one direction, and you got you can't have a lot of things and noise moving around you. And and for Shifley, who is a guy that you know is a student of the National Hockey League, who watches games at night, who studies film, and, and really uh, you know really puts a lot of time in, he loves the game. Uh, sometimes I watch him, and I don't see that. I don't see that anymore. I see that. You know, you know more anxiety than than that free flowing love of the game where he's just out there playing and and unfortunately when things aren't going good and as you get to be the veteran presence that he is I mean you're counted on more um, you know and, you, and Wheeler has struggled so all that all that is an effect line A is gone I mean a lot of things have transpired with this organization you know starting with Bufflin and and you know, the whole defense core kind of left Truba Bufflin Myers I mean it was like an exodus on the back end. You know, I think Hellebuck hit a lot of those imperfections, but uh, right now he's just not at the top of his game consistently. I don't think he's playing terrible, not not by a long shot, but not the way that he hides those imperfections and gives them a chance to win. Yeah, they, they've been really surprising, find themselves quite a way. I, I like the point about Shifley in particular. The, the things did seem to change in that moment. Um, I, I want to take you then across to another team that has our interest, the Edmonton Oilers. Last night, they beat the Washington Capitals. They're 5-0-1 in their last, last six games. You know, they added Evander Kane. I think he's got four points in his three games of them so far and kind of gives them, you know, pairs. He, he, he allows them to have three decent lines that have a pair, a couple good players on each. Is, is Kane the type of guy that can make the Oilers competitive in the West? Like, where are, you, where are you sitting on their chances of being a team that can, you know, win a playoff round this year? The crazy thing is when, when we look at the Oilers, and I, I, I don't know if you'll agree or not, but I, up front, forward-wise, it was never an area I was the most concerned about. Right. I was always concerned about their back end. I was concerned about their goaltending. 
Um, you know, I was I was concerned that if, uh, if maybe uh, Dave Tippett, maybe the message was getting lost. Those were things I was more concerned about than up front. Um, but adding a guy like Evander Kane and, and a power forward who you could inject onto a line. And, and you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, when they had their COVID issues and Marner was out and Engvall was out. And all of a sudden, Engvall comes back. He slides into that right slot. Marner gets back in his slot. You know, Kerfoot goes back into his slot. And all of a sudden, all three lines are just, uh, their top three lines are running. And then you got, you know, the Spezza and Simmons, those guys on that fourth line that go out there and they, they move around the lineup in and out. And they do their jobs as well. And all of a sudden now it comes down to, you know, if, you can, if your goaltending can be good, which it, it wasn't for a period of time when you're allowing four or five goals against a game, but you're still winning. That's pretty incredible but it's not the way you're going to win in the playoffs. So, you know, but you look at Edmonton, they've got those forwards. They've got it in, in spades. Uh, adding Kane just makes them even more dangerous. But I still look at that back end and I go, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they, 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 you know, the playoffs come and it's not running gun hockey. It, 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 it tends to be, you know, you can get the odd game that gets out of control, but most of these games tighten up. Uh, most of these games, there's not as many penalties called. So teams that have high-flying power plays aren't getting the power play ops that they're normally used to getting. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the cookies aren't there and, and the scores are tighter and, and you got to have goaltending and, and you got to have good, solid defense core and defensive structure to win. And, and, and that's where I look at Edmonton up front. I, I never really worry about them. Even without uh, Kane, I thought I knew that Connor's going to get it back going and Drysdale's going to get it back going, and, and Nugent Hopkins and those guys. I mean, this is, a, this is a, a talented forward group. Adding Kane to it makes them even more dangerous and maybe gives them a little more, uh, a little more moxie and savvy moving forward where they, they feel good about themselves. And all it takes is something like that to, to change your mindset, and all of a sudden you start getting on a winning streak, and um, you know, they've got some work to do, but they're, they're certainly it looks like they're, they're back in the right direction. We're joined by Gary Galley, former National Hockey Leaguer and current uh, analyst for Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. As we look at the standings going, what we believe now is the, we know is the second half of the season. Uh, plenty of hockey left uh, as far as the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames. Is there still a chance that they can both make the playoffs here? And I got to think the Anaheim Ducks would be maybe the one team that we're, we're not sure. They just announced Pat Verbeek coming in as their general manager is knowing Beaker the way I know him. He's not going to want to relinquish that and, and be the guy that's uh, known for taking a team out of a playoff spot. But um, you think, you think Edmonton is strong enough now and, and the target might be Anaheim? Definitely. Uh, I mean, I think people thought Anaheim was starting to, uh, was starting to fall off a little bit. They were thinking, Oh, Anaheim had that great run. Everything was going good. But now, it looks like they're having a little fall off, but then they went on that road trip and they had a pretty good, pretty good road trip and they were winning some games and they've kind of got it back going again. But I mean, for you to, to for you to climb into, into a playoff spot, the first thing you look at is, is games played at this point in a season like this, because some teams are definitely played more games than others. The Canadian teams are behind um, in playing games. And you look at the Pacific division in general with Calgary and Edmonton. I mean, they've got six games on Anaheim, uh, you know, five on Los Angeles and four on Vegas. And so, yeah, if they win those games in hand, they definitely could put themselves in a good position. Uh, but also when you have more games to play down the last 40 games of the season, you have less rest days, uh, you're jamming more games in. So having a lot of games at the end isn't necessarily a good thing. 
but it is the nature of the beast that we're in right now, and that's what they're going to have to do. But um, I don't see any reason why uh, both those teams could not pass Anaheim or Los Angeles and put themselves in a good spot in the Pacific. I, 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 I really think that they're both very capable of doing that. I think the onus is on Los Angeles and Anaheim more so. Can they keep up the pace and, and string wins together uh, to keep Calgary and Edmonton feeling like they're always trying to catch up? Yeah, you know, one thing that stuck uh, to me there when you mentioned with the Oilers, their, uh, that, that back end and how games tighten up. Where are you on the, the Maple Leafs back end and their bottom guys, Sandine and Hall and Dermott and Lilligren? You know, are, are these guys good enough, do you think, when those games get tight to, uh, you know, to move beyond the first round, which is the much-awaited goal here in Toronto? Yeah, well, when you look at defense cores, and I know for many years I've heard people talk about defense cores and, and is he a one-two? Is he a three-four? Is he a five-six? Right. Where is he? And then you say, well, we got a lot of we got a lot of four-fives. We got a lot of five-sixes. We got a lot of three-four. You know, like and they're trying to fill. When you got a couple, of, when you got a real legitimate one-two, then I think you go, wow, we got a real legitimate one-two. And then you try to find the three-four. So do they have those? You know, do they have a one legitimate one-two? I, I don't think so. You know, I, I think they've got a legitimate one, and maybe they jump to a maybe they jump to a to a three, four, and then they got some four fives and five sixes. So, so they do have, in my mind, some gaps in there that, that you're, you're not really slotted in the perfect, in the perfect world, but not every team is slotted in a perfect world. So you have to have players that play above their capabilities. Uh, some players are, are, are going to play above. Some are going to play below. Um, you know, I, I think a guy like Jake Muzzin has, uh, I think has got more game to give. Uh, I think he hasn't played terrible, but I think that I, 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 I was hoping and thinking that he was going to play more consistently stronger. So I think coming on the backside of the season, hopefully he'll have a rejuvenated backside and, and get going and, uh, and, and, and be strong heading into the playoffs. Morgan Riley's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, and then those other guys that you mentioned, they have got to play above their pay grade. They got to play above who they are. Uh, that was a great thing. And I don't know, Kipper, you're with the Rangers or, any original six teams seem to have more of it. Like when you were a Bruin or, or it was like, it was, it was like guys played above their heads. Guys played better than expected. It seemed like they get more out of their players, right. In some of these organizations. And, uh, and so in Toronto, uh, that's what has to happen. Those guys that you mentioned have to play above and play better than maybe uh, people are expecting of them. And not to say that it's not capable and they can't do it, uh, but they're going to have to do it to fill those open slots that they don't have because, you know, tight against the cap is going to be hard to find uh, somebody uh, to fit in there. Hopefully they will be able to deadline to bring in a guy that hopefully can be a top four guy, but um, we'll have to wait and see. Gary, you played uh, 1,150 uh, National Hockey League games. Uh, Rasmus Sandin hasn't even uh, collectively over two seasons put together 74 games. Um, what, what is the magic number, Gary? Uh, and I know it's different eras, but when did you really start feeling like you were capable of every night playing solid for, you know, 17, 18, 20 minutes a night? When does that happen for a defenseman? When could it happen for Sandine? I, I, I think, I think right now, uh, He's at that crux moment right now. I know for myself, and I go back, and of course, you know, where you, when you played in the game is different too, right? Like I broke in in the in the mid '80s, and um, you know, in a Smythe division that was run and gun, and 
I came out of college and I was just like, okay, here we go. This is right up my alley. Uh, but then after a couple of years, after a couple of years, it was like, um, um, you know, it was like, we're going to, uh, we, we want you to, um, we want you to like play defense. We want you to be more defensive. We want you to be more responsible. Well, I had, that wasn't my kind of game. So I kind of got lost and it took me a few years to kind of, uh, get back in, get back in a place where I felt I felt good about my game. That that and, and the coach that I was playing for felt good about my game. Like you know, it's, it it doesn't matter what you think; it matters what your coach thinks. Your coach is the guy that has the confidence to put you over the boards and put you on the ice. And it wasn't until I got to Boston and played for Terry O'Reilly, where he kind of like he, he kind of spelled it out and said, "Hey, look at I got Ray Bork, I got Glenn Wesley, I got guys that are going to do this and this. I need you to do this, and if you do this, you'll play every night." And I was like, okay, I understand. Mm-hmm. And, and you play that way. Like, and, and I know it sounds kind of crazy, but it enabled me to get consistency and play in that small rink in Boston and play, you know, watch Ray Bork on a, and, on a regular basis and, and just learn. And, and, and finally, by the time I got to Philadelphia, my whole game, my 200-foot game was together and I could play offense and defense and play large minutes. And so it, it, it took a bit of time for me, but, and, and it may take time for him as well, but in this day and age, and, and Kipper and Borny, like when you get up to the National Hockey League, you're supposed to be a finished product. Right. And, you know, back in the day when you came into the National Hockey League, coaches were responsible for putting the finishing touches on you, working with you, you know, whatever. Now the way these American Hockey League teams and minor hockey teams are running is that when you get a player up in your midst, unless you have a ton of injury or COVID issues, this player is supposed to be ready to hit the ground running. And, um, and, if, and if they're not, normally they, they don't get a lot of ice or a lot of games. And the comfort level is going to fall within Sheldon Keith. And, and Sandine has to earn that comfort uh, in Sheldon Keith to feel comfortable. He can put him in the lineup, uh, not just against certain teams, but every night. And uh, that comes with consistency. Uh, the biggest compliment you can give to a player in the game is that he's a consistent player. Yeah, he's going to have some great nights, a few great nights where he's really, really good. He's going to have some off nights. But in that consistent middle, that bulk of games that I know what I'm going to get, that's what Sandine has to find. Was it, you broke in early with the L.A. Kings. Was there anyone on that blue line that really helped you get through those first 75, 100 games? And the other factor was that Sandine's supposed to be doing it on a team that is supposed to win the Stanley Cup this year or get to a final here. Right. The, the pressure... Of, of having to deliver uh, on a contending team compared to your first couple of years in L.A.? Yeah, well, you're right. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the time is now. A lot of pressure on the Leafs. And, 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 you know, a guy like Rasmus Sandin falls right into that category. And that's, that's a lot to handle amongst just going out and trying to relax and play your game. In L.A., uh, I had, a, I had a, quite a few guys that were awesome with me, uh, accepted me right away. I took some people's jobs when I got there guys that had been there um you know and uh, they treated me fantastic and of course that led the way for me to do the same thing on my way out of the game eventually was to treat people young kids coming in properly um you know uh it, it, it's uh, brian englum was fantastic uh he was uh he was a super nice guy i still have a great relationship with brian um you know he he really helped me out a lot um a guy that you know very well jay wells uh, Jay became uh, like a mentor to me as far as on the backside and, and um, you know, one of the toughest hombres 
I've ever, I've ever played. Oh boy. Uh, and seen, but uh, yeah, the, the Jaybird, but he was such a nice man. And, and the way he always uh, treated me like an equal, even though I was, you know, younger and did some stupid things here and there. He always ha- had my back. I remember he said to me, we were playing together. He said, he said, Gaga count to three. If you count to three and I'm not there, unfortunately, you're going to have to do this on your own. I got to tell you, I didn't get to three. I never got to three. If there was a problem, Jay was there. And, uh, you know, Mark Hardy was fantastic, uh, you know, uh, uh, working with me. And remember, I came in I came in with a guy by the name of Craig Redman, and Craig was the, their first-round draft choice. I was coming out of college after winning a national championship, and us two young defensemen who were very offensive-minded – um, were injected into the Smite division with Edmonton and Calgary and Winnipeg. It was just a run-and-gun division. And, um, and the Kings you know, really took a chance on the two of us putting us in at the same time and letting us run. I think we gave Pat Quinn heart attacks on a regular basis. Um, but, uh, but we were very fortunate at that time, and we were treated very well by the veteran defensemen there. So, um, you know, I think a lot of guys in Toronto – you know, there are a lot of young guys there, but guys like Morgan Riley and Jake Muzzin, and although you don't look at them as old, cagey veteran guys, like you know, coming down the last legs of their uh, of, of their of their careers, but they are the guys that they're looking up to and looking to uh, for guidance and and on and off the ice. So it, it, it's a lot. It's a lot, but it's something that every player, I'm sure, cherishes that he is the guy that other people are trying to learn from, and and that's why you you, you know that's why you help. Wasn't that uh, Redmond a top five pick? He was really highly touted too. Yeah, and and, and was a real good player. I, I I really thought you know I was like I said I he was at University of Denver and he had made Team Canada that year. I I did not make it. I got to the I think I got to the to the third round of of, uh, of of cuts with Team Canada. I was out in Calgary and and uh, I went to I went to Dave King because I I, I got to be honest with you guys. Throw this out there. And, but I wasn't the greatest student, you know. I was in college, I was going to school, but I, I was not the greatest student. I barely got in with my grades to Bowling Green. It, it was the only offer I had to go anywhere to school because, uh, unfortunately, a, a young defenseman on the team had lost his father that year in Saskatchewan, and he had to go back to the farm and help his family. So a scholarship opened up in April, and that's you know, how I ended up getting to Bowling Green. Or You know, I, I, I was the only school that ever talked to me. So when you look at all these things that – that happen and 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 where where you get to and where you get from. I mean, the journey isn't always the the one that everyone looks at and goes, oh wow. But you know, I I, I got to I got to the to the team and, and Craig was just a real dynamic player. Great hands. Uh, he was the first guy I ever saw that had a suitcase full of blades that interchanged in his skates. I'd never seen anything like that. That was in the, that was in yeah. 80, 84, 85, Kipper. You imagine that? <laughs> yeah, no he had kidding. A suitcase. The trainers and the trainers hated him for it. I think they were just <laughs> always in the blade and the blades changing. And now it's like everything. But this is how far ahead he was, and and whatever. And he we roomed together. Super nice guy. And um, you know, it just I don't think everything went as well as I think he was hoping it, it could have gone. Um, you know, I I think he was the type of player that was very hard on himself. Um, and and sometimes that can really really hurt you. Um, you know, I was more of a guy that let things kind of roll off, and and uh, you know, Pat, Pat yelling at you every day at practice. That was, that was, that was, you know, those were those were just natural occurrences. You know, I could tell I could tell by the blare of his whistle that it was me. You know, I didn't even have to yell my name. I could just tell by the sound of the whistle. And you know, and your dad was there, Borny. Yeah, I think for, he was there at the time. And 
Oh yeah, for sure. It's and and you know not just you're on the show, but also super super nice and bringing all the experiences he had from there, you know, into the team and towards the end of his career. But uh, you know, was uh, really super. I was really glad I had an opportunity to play with him. But oh yeah, it was like the guys would come up to me on the ice. Okay, just don't do that. Don't do that. Like, you know, just the blare of the whistle, and I'd, I'd I'd stop and my I'd go, oh no, and then it would you know, <laughs> but it was just uh, you know. Oh yeah, you just knew, you just knew. So yeah, so it's a uh, you know great stories, lots of fun. Wouldn't wouldn't change anything doing it over. But you know the Leafs are in this incredible and uh, anxious moment where the expectations are super high. But would you want it any other way? I mean, this is what you this is what you play for. You have to embrace it. I know it's easy to say, it's harder to do, but you have to embrace these challenges that are that are bigger than you. And with a fan base like Toronto has. And um, such a long time between um, success of carrying a Stanley Cup around and how loyal the fans are and how rabid they are at the same time, um, you know, and the media scrutiny and all the things that go along with it, um, you know, you have to embrace it and, and find a way to turn all those stuff in, into creating good positive energy. And, and, and that's the only way that you get through it. I mean, you know, there's so many people that have played in Toronto that just, that just love playing there over time. And, and some players go in there and they just find it's like you just can't play because there's just is too much going on and, and and under the under the under the microscope all the time. But I think this group is starting to understand how to embrace it. And uh, you know, I'm 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 hoping I'm hoping they have a good good run. I think at home, Gary, I've got a, a pro set card with you uh, wearing an NHL All Star jersey. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, that was in Chicago. Correct. And was that? Yeah, I played one in Chicago and one in New York. And were those the last two competitive NHL All Star games? <laughs> um, <laughs> we we've we got seen. Throttled in Chicago. What do you remember? We got throttled. What, what do you remember about that experience? And and in all seriousness, how how competitive was it? Or how nervous were you to make sure that you were represent your your family and your team really well that weekend? <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, back then it was still the um, the coaches that were that were in the Stanley Cup Finals were the coaches of the All Star teams the following year, and they uh, once every team selected a player, it was up to the coach to fill the rest of the of the, of the card. Wow! So um, Mike Milbury brought me to the game. That was the coach. We went to the Stanley Cup Finals the year before, uh, lost to Edmonton. And uh, and Mike Milbury uh, brought uh, me and Craig Janney was supposed to come, but Craig got hurt days before the game, and, or I, th- I believe, or something like that happened. And David Christian ended up going, and because and, and and Craig Janney said that Dave Christian was like a hero to him, winning in 1980 in Lake Placid, yeah. being an American kid, like he was like a hero. So he wanted Dave really to go badly. So Dave went. So I remember Dave was number 27, I was number 28. We're standing on the blue line. Uh, the war had just started. Um, there was talk that the game wasn't even supposed to happen. Um, and uh, Chicago Stadium, you can imagine the electricity in that building. There were signs in, in the crowd, you know, like for war. And, and just it, 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 it was the loudest national anthem I'd ever, I've ever experienced in my I life. I remember that. Um, it, it, it was in Sports Illustrated. They said it was the, it was the number one anthem. I, I turned to David Christian, who was standing beside me, to say something to him, and literally I'm less than six inches from his ear, and he can't hear me. Yeah. It, it, that's how loud it was. And, 
they dropped the puck. I, I did the skills competition with, uh, with John Cullen and, and Joe Sackick. We were in the relay. And uh, all the three of us were worried about was just not falling. We didn't care if we won. We just didn't want to fall down. And, and then the game, we got wham-basted. I think we lost like 11-4. to 4. I think uh, Vinny Danfus, I think, had, had, uh, had, I think had four or something. I can't remember. But we got, we got, we got obliterated. Uh, and better in the game in New York. In the game in New York, I ended up, um, I ended up getting selected uh, and went and played the game, and uh, and um, we ended up. I think we won an overtime six five. But it was uh, in New York, and mess mess was mess. He was just he looked after everybody. He made sure, hey, where are you going? What are you doing? Where's your family? How many people? Okay, I'll get you in here. I'll get you there. Like he, I never seen a person take care of more people uh, in their town. Uh, like that. I mean, he, he was incredible. And, uh, and uh, the trainers and people there, the Rangers, and I know you're very familiar with them all, just fantastic. And uh, it was a really incredible uh, experience, the All-Star Game in New York. My first one, I was too nervous to enjoy it. The second one, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, it, 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 was, it was a ton of fun. And uh, those, are, those are fun times. But they were competitive. I mean, we went to overtime. I think in, uh, in in the one in New York, it was a pretty it was a pretty competitive game. Guys are hooting and laughing and whatever, but uh, they wanted to win. Hey Gary, really appreciate your time. I love listening to you on, on the games. You do a tremendous job, uh, and we sure appreciate your time on this show. Thanks so much, Gary. Always a ple- always a pleasure coming on, you guys. Uh, anytime. All right. Thank you very much. One of the good ones, Gary Galley. He's talking about deafening anthems yes. and you know overtime games meanwhile we're handing out cars and john scott's and all-star <laughs> things things have changed it has changed things have changed that's all right and he is right about mess i can't imagine mess just coordinating people in new york city oh my gosh I mean, he's just like he must have loved leaving edmonton and going to new york city he must have yes. loved my my last thought when my head hits the pillow god bless mess <laughs> God bless those, that mess. How, those, how, those were some coattails I rode. How about uh, how about this for a, an NHL All Star idea from our uh, our text line? NHL All Star Game idea: Have the referees involved in their own skills challenges. There'll be a dodging the back check challenge, a cross check challenge, a brawl management challenge, a camouflage challenge, and then the push the player with no skates, uh, no skate blade relay challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys can tell I love referees, and I'm totally not trying to humiliate them. Who would want to do such a thing? Uh, you push them so into the fountain it, at the Bellagio? Gary uh, mentioned that. So we had a, a, a teammate who's an agent right now for some of the bigger names, too, uh, Neil Sheehy. Yeah. So when I played with him and with the Washington Capitals, he had invested in this company called Switch It. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, the ability to take your, your skate boot and put a a blade on it, and then pop it off and put uh, roller skates on them. Well, well, this is the thing now, right? Is yeah. It, yeah. But this was like early 90s. and That's he's the like, most 90s thing I've ever we got to. Sorry, you know, did, to be clear, did you mean roller skate or roller blades? Roller blades. Okay, because yeah. roller skates would have yeah, been you're incredible. Right. Yeah, no, no, not the four. <laughs> not, 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 Just a couple not the, of quads Not the four foot. by fours. <laughs> no, we're okay. not going disco here. Okay. All right, so okay. that old. So, Going with bell bottoms? Roller blades. <laughs> okay. So, of course... You know, if you know uh, an NHL dressing room, it's always about, you know, the next investment during team stretch. So Neil's trying to... That was not the case in the ECHL, Kipper, so I'll get back to you. So Neil's trying to get everybody to invest in these switch blades, and sure enough, like, 
the next three weeks, that his hockey blade popped off all the time. And we would have to, like, we were like tow trucks for him. We'd have to, <laughs> during, oh, really? during an NHL game, and he's a big man too, and you just have to get behind him and push him Hold to the on. push him to the to to the bench. So this product that he was yes. investing, he was using as skates yes. in NHL games. Yes, and yes, and telling us to invest, <laughs> and we're like, you can't even stand up. You're like Bambi out here on ice. Oh, well, investments are one thing to mess with your actual game equipment. You buy a pair of rollerblades, bud. Hey. It's the NHL in the 90s. What do you expect? Dot-com <laughs> boom was next. Um, what was the name of those blades that had that were, like, interchangeable? Well, like, Mars Blade is the new rollerblade, But No, no, right? no, but, That's... like, there was a type of blade that was hot, like, I want to say early 2000s, that had, like, the whole, like, there was, like, yeah. three or four or oh, five yeah, holes. Oh, yeah, T-blades. Oh, yeah. And the sound they, they made dug, on the ice was dug down awful. to the cement. What, was they, what were they called? They are called T-blades, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. The sound of them on the ice was just like, hey, buddy, like, get those off your boots. You're ruining the whole acoustic you know, setting here. I remember, uh, oh, this is unbelievable that I remember this, but it was Dennis Seidenberg for the Bruins that wore them all the time. And I always remember that, him wearing these. They look so bad. You know what I remember was in the summers when I was playing shinny with, like, guys who were in the NHL, Duncan Keith and Vern Fiddler and someone else had uh, blades that heat up. You, like, the, the blades would actually heat up, which was supposed to give you more glide on the ice. I don't know that those are in use, <laughs> but they were wearing heated blades. I don't know. It's just a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I, I'm can telling I you right you now, you 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 couldn't get me to invest in anything coming out of your mouth right now. No, <laughs> you got to be a little bit more sure than that. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. All Two right, grades. we'll take a we'll take a quick break here, uh, and and when we return, we're going to talk about the second half storylines for the Toronto Maple Leafs. What are the biggest ones that will define their second half of the season? That and more. After the break, you're listening to Real Kipper and Born, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Ailish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Toronto Maple Leafs enjoying a few days off. Not for Austin Matthews and Campbell. What do you think they're doing in Vegas? Sitting in their rooms like good boys? I don't know. I hear mixed things in terms of are they allowed to go out? Can they go out? Uh, is it as normal as any all-star weekend? They can enjoy all the festivities. There's no rules or regulations. They come and go in as they please. I, I, I don't Hasn't the Can't whole get league anybody... had COVID yet? Is Campbell and, and Matthews, have they had COVID? Uh, Matthews had it twice, didn't he? Matthews had the OG strain yeah. back in, I think, summer of 2020 when he was in Arizona. Him and Freddie were staying together. They had it. but And then I, Connor almost, McDavid went down there, too. You almost wish uh, I, I, he should get it again before. You should the, get the, it out of the way before playoffs. Before the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, we, we should. There should be a kissing contest for Matthews. Make sure he's available. Come so, playoffs. Just go I'm, around Vegas and introduce. We're like to everybody people. else. We rolled our eyes with Ovechkin getting it, but he he has to have it. Like it has to be legit. They yes. didn't just make yes. it up. Because, <laughs> Sammy. well, 
What happens if, if if he made it up and he doesn't have it and he gets it like in a month? You want to know my take You're on that? You're busted. It's, it's all a sham. If they're able to lie that he has it, they're able to lie that he doesn't. Yeah. No one's testing anything for anyone anymore. COVID's gone in the NHL. Uh, that's the, not a fair worldly claim, but in no. the NHL, they're pretending. No After one the All Star game, they don't test unless you have symptoms, right? Yeah, like, symptoms oh, would have to be okay. like your are, are, guy can't on a ventilator. But, but, yeah. but there are some people still getting sick. Are they not? In the NHL, I mean, yeah. No, Do just mean, in general. Oh, yeah. Earth? Yes. And, and dying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And I, that's yeah, very I don't much. To laugh at that part. So I'm laughing at the, the NHL okay, the way they're going to treat it. There's still a chance, though, you could get yourself in trouble if it's not legit like, yeah no i don't think he i think he has to have it i, do I don't think i don't think you're gonna mess around it with would be some claim up. to say he didn't have it even though sammy's joking but like what do you think sammy if you, you had to if you had to bet your next paycheck mm. does he have it or does he have it doesn't he have it if i had to bet my paycheck, yes well i'm gonna go with the favorite okay i'm gonna bet that he does have it yes but the value play here. <laughs> That's a long shot at plus one fifty. Uh yeah. So we, know. we know what we know what math uh what uh things that Campbell and Matthews are taking part in here. And I just lost but there's a something called a save streak. That's what uh what, what's his name? Uh, Jack Campbell's taking part in. And... Let me tell you, that's a terrible event. And street hockey, I, I Vegas like the, style. And I like the skills comp contest. I like it. I don't even know what that is. Neither it's like I. you stop as many breakaways as you can in a row, in a row oh, and try to set the so record. Much, so much fun for his groin. You know, <sighs> like wouldn't you rather have a guy take 10 shots and try to keep his money out? Who cares if they're consecutive or not? I don't know. And Matthews is taking part in the street hockey Vegas style, which I guess is the one in the street. With the Bellagio involved and water and all that, right? They're doing some fountain stuff. Doesn't sound like it because I so think they're calling is... it twenty-one and twenty-one or oh yeah, twenty-one and twenty-two yeah. is the, That's the shooting so is one. He in, so That's the name of it. Is yeah. he in full equipment? Is he on a uh, on a sheet of ice? Okay, if there's an ability, if there's a chance for Austin Matthews to wear street clothes, oh my God, is oh, he wearing street clothes? He's going to wear street clothes. Like he's going to be. It's going to look like gym shorts and a t-shirt, and they're going to be worth fourteen thousand yeah. dollars yeah, each. It's going to be like items. Balenciaga socks that are worth like fifteen k. Hold up to his looking like a putz. Yeah. Oh, I love Matthew style, though. Me I too. Do. I admire it. Me too. I wish I could pull off half the stuff that he wears with the money. I just wear the same thing every day. Just Nike sweater and jeans. Keep it simple, baby. Love your Nike sweaters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I it's almost like you got to watch it. I'm watching it. You're of course, watch watch I, I'm eager, earnest well, and eager. I like the skills only, contest. I'm only watching it. it to see Some how it. cheesy it can get. But it's okay. It's Vegas. Listen, I'm going to be at home alone on a Friday night. When Allie's going away to a cottage this week, I'm going to be watching it. What Sil the hell else am I going to be doing? Silver bucket and 13 little Buddhas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a case. <laughs> a case of little Buddhas. You bring it in for me tomorrow, Kipper. I'll drink them all. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right. So where do you want to go in just in terms of the second half? I think Monday, is it Monday or Tuesday? They start Monday. Right, right back Monday, Carolina. It's not like you're getting another softball with uh, New Jersey or Arizona here. Right back at arguably the best team in the league. Yeah, one, two, three, wherever you want to put them. They're, they're one of them. They're one of them. Yep. Yeah, so let, we're going to do a little uh, look at the biggest second-half storylines for the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
Um, do we you, have, do you well, want to start? Yeah, I want Sam to start. Okay. Well, I think this is one that interests me. It's more of a personal thing in terms of a player. It's not necessarily a team thing. But will Matthews finally get 50 goals? How because does he not have 50 goals? To yet? me, it's one of the more mind-blowing things, the amount of he's scored per game over his career in the NHL. And the stuff that have gotten in the way for him not scoring 50 goals, like including a p- pandemic when he was on on pace to do it, he's got to get to 50 goals this year, right? That, that, to me, is very interesting to see his pursuit of getting to 50 for the first time, which is mind-blowing to me. Yeah. Do you no. care about that, Kipper? I'm real Kipper's going to be like, ah, the team, the no. team. But do you care about that? I, I don't think it uh, should be the be-all, end-all. Uh, to me, I know he's young enough where that stuff really matters. Uh, but unfortunately for him, it doesn't take on a more natural feel because they are so under the gun now to win a Stanley Cup. We we know what the small window is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, does it come at the expense of maybe looking off a few teammates at times? I, I mean, you know how I feel. I'd rather him score 40 goals and, and get to a Stanley Cup final. Right? I mean, can you have both? Yeah, maybe. But the quality of chances he gets on a nightly basis, I agree with uh, you guys that it should put him in a position to easily challenge for it. Yeah. he's He's got 29 goals in, in 39 games. Yeah. So that's basically, you know, call it, you know, 30 and 40 if you want to be generous for a so simple He's on pace numbers. for 60. Yeah, he's on, I was going to say, he's on pace for, yeah, I think it's 57 yeah. and a half or whatever it is. So, yeah, he's he's crushing it. He should be able to get there. What's I think the, the Leafs franchise record is 55. It's Rick, Rick five. 5. 54, 54 I think. 54, yeah. is it? Yeah. Like, the, he, he, he's in that sort of realm, and he's at that age where you would expect him to hit one of those big numbers. So, yeah, that's interesting. My, and, and he, 54 and he is wants the record, it. Yeah. And he wants it. And I want him to have it. Yeah. As he, a Leaf fan of this era, watching Austin Matthews, who's probably the best player I've seen in terms of skill on the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm not going to say probably, he is. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that I want to have the record for, I mean, he just seems right. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I would say in terms of, like, elite players around the league, the Leafs haven't really had a guy like Matthews who you would say is one, two, three, would yeah. you? For, like, unless Sundin was there for... But I, I don't know. Like, I love Sundin. Sundin is my favorite hockey player in the history of the league. He's my number one guy. Wow. And I don't think he was ever necessarily talked about the way that Matthews is talked about amongst the league's elite. Would you agree? Yeah, no, I do agree. Yeah, I would agree with that too. But uh, a different era now where social media is giving you a story every day, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think Sundin was wearing Balenciaga socks. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? All right. Uh, my storyline is the, the trade deadline, of course. Will they add toughness or defensemen? That's one of, those are the two things that they seem to need. If Sammy is petitioned to get both of them in one package in Luke Shen, it's keeping an eye to the deadline. What's going to happen there? Who are they going to bring in and what's the cost yeah. going to be? Yeah. And, you know, prior to this whole thing uh, exploding with uh, Evander Kane and New uh, and San Jose, we did have discussions here about an Evander Kane being a, a a possible fit in Toronto, and we've already watched and had a very small sample size, but Evander has changed the look of the Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be enough? We don't know with the goaltending and uh, a defense that we still question on Edmonton, but there is no denying 
that he has given them a different look. He has. I wanted him to fight after Connor McDavid got destroyed by Hathaway last night. What a hit that was. It was I mean, yeah, they were both going at a high clip. But See, yes. And and just a, a, a quick note on Clean that. Clean hit, he doesn't need to. I know. Uh, Yamamoto goes in and, and takes the penalty. Yeah. Okay, just don't go don't, away, get, get, Go away, Yamamoto. <laughs> go, go, go. We don't we don't need your little cross checks there. You the little, showed him. The mighty mouse little cross checks. No, because all you did was just put them behind the eight ball for two minutes. And and if they score, it's a different ball game completely. Yeah. Evander's there now. Let him go have a talk. Let him. Zach Cassian's there. Yeah. Zach actually made a good play to go in there again on Hathaway. Did you notice that? Didn't take a penalty mm-hmm. and got his message across. That to me, let the, let those guys look after, it. and that's what Evander has has brought Edmonton. Um, but. Uh, just to swing it back to the Toronto Maple Leafs, that, that's a part that's still kind of missing, mm-hmm. I, I think, when it comes to their, their first six to eight forwards mm-hmm. with, with no presence from Nick Ritchie. Yeah, you know that was part of why they wanted him up there, I think, right? It's just to have that little bit of that element. You look at it now, names like Bunting and Kasha and Kerfoot and Nylander and, you know, on the, on the wings, it's just not not there you know look we're we're looking at this team not through the lens of are they good are these players good we're saying you know this is a team that wants to win a stanley cup you have to have all the elements brian burke on this show last year all would always say you know some teams you got to beat with speed sometimes you got to be able to play different ways and right now i'm not sure if the leafs are able to do that not saying they can't but that's where a guy like jt miller now is there's so many teams knocking on uh, Jimmy Rutherford's door right now for him. He's got another year at 5-2. And, again, in a perfect world, if you were to slot now JT Miller in with, with Austin Matthews and, and Marner, now what a different look right. that is. But poor, if, if poor you do... Buncey. Well, no, not poor. I mean, that guy... That guy will still get his looks. He'll still get his... He creates his own space out there. His mm-hmm. timing's impeccable. He will still be such a big part of that 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 sixth, seventh forward. And I, to me, he's still not slotted where he should be. He should be just a little bit down. Oh, yeah. We're, we're talking... the same effect. We're talking about this guy like, you know, what a find he's been and how wonderful he's been. But, like, you know, he's got 29 points. He's not, it's not like he's got 59 points. Like, he's, he's playing well and he's contributing greatly and he's an important part of the team and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, right, he's not a top-line guy. And, and if his game does fall off or the body starts getting a little bit wear and tear on it or he just backs off some intensity, you, you, can't, you can't say anything except he's learning. Mm-hmm. He's still 60 games into his NHL career. So in a perfect world, like you said, if you were able to add a little bit up front, it would create it. Now, the Leafs don't have the room to add a JT Miller there. Not unless they ship and Nick un- Ritchie to... Unless they did something the real significant. But it's still not their primary focus. It's got to be that blue line before it is looking at the perfect world up front. You know, what do you think of this? I was thinking today looking at the Islanders roster and how things have gone wrong for them. And they were always a little old and a little slow maybe, right? That was the criticism. But they were big and they were veteran guys who played the right way and played within the structure and discipline and they had success in playoffs. 
I was thinking Lamorella seems to have recognized something about like age and how these guys can still be effective uh, older. And then you look at the Leafs who've tried to do it in past years with young guys, Kapanen and Nylander and Andreas Janssen. And, you know, just uh, Nick Robertson was in against Columbus, like young guys. They they are poised again to do that. Sandine and Lilligren and Dermott and, you know, again, bunting on the top line. Do you think that bringing in older guys to push those guys down makes sense based on the Lamarillo theory that come playoffs, you, you need some. Yeah, but tell, tell me some of those older names, like. Not Patrick Marlowe. Right. That, that well, I mean, not... they tried that last year. Kind it's of. Just... Well, no, last year they tried to get the oldest players on earth. Well, there has to be a happy... Felino was. I mean, Felino wasn't an old, the oldest guy. Bogosian wasn't the oldest guy. Uh, like... I mean, Felino is not the youngest guy. No, I know. That's I true. Mean, I but mean... the body broke down on Nick. Well, yeah, I guess and it there. continues to break down in Boston. Yeah. And now we are talking about... If if Nick Foligno was a first rounder and David Savard was a first rounder, Kyle's gonna have to go and give a couple of those away. How aggressive are you so, comfortable with the Leafs that's getting? My next, wow, that is a, my next storyline. Okay, is about Kyle Dubas and about how deep is he willing to dig into the prospect and pick pool to go all in on this season at the deadline. Would be my next story. You go all in and don't win a cup this year. You're basically out of job because you got nothing left in the cupboard. You can't win. You know what's hurt Kyle right now? Losing. Nick Robertson and his value. Good point. Because that was a chip. And, and maybe a player. I had suggested giving him up for Sam Bennett and social media ripped my head off. I, oh, yeah. Buddy, I remember that. Okay. <laughs> ripped my head off. I was in. Hey, I didn't hate that idea. For the record, I didn't come to your defense by any stretch, but I remember <laughs> no. that, and I didn't mind it. Now tell me where Nick Robertson is when it comes to untouchable prospects for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Did he, you send he's me a extremely cl- Did you send man, me a clip man. of him getting smoked again I in did. a game? I did. He got he's me. back. He made his return last night. Nick Robertson's back, everyone. He made his return last night, and he got smoked. I don't know. I fine. I haven't from any sort. I don't watch Marley's games closely. Sorry, guys. Thought but from committed. any clip I see of Nick Robertson involves the same thing: him skating fast, trying hard, falling down, and then shooting hard. Those are the three he things can I noticed. Shoot it. He shoots it really he hard. He can shoot it. But boy, the skating leaves a lot to be desired. And you know. This is the thing, the same thing that people have made the argument about Dermot, and people have made the same argument about, like, with Sandine and where he's going. We've talked about it. How long do you hold on to these guys with their perceived value versus what they're uh, actually going to turn into? I think Robertson's value has fallen so far that you have, have to, to hold on, on and, and hope that he becomes the player but you that, think he is. He's had terrible, terrible luck. Awful luck. Terrible luck. And, and you, by all accounts, extremely hard worker, cares. Like, oh, my God. Really he cares to, too much, right? He's the guy yes. that they're saying they can't get this guy to simmer. Mm. Like, take, have a he's, pint, my friend. What is he, 5'9", five, 5'10"? Five, yeah. 160 he's, pounds? Like, pure he has adrenaline. to get stronger. And well, he cannot I keep. I don't get this. He can't why? get, he can't. I, because he's getting bounced around like a pinball. Well, he can't get put himself in that position to get hit. Patrick Kane, I don't know if that guy can do a chin-up. But, like, he doesn't get hit, right? Mitch Marner, I don't know how strong Mitch Marner is. I don't think he's super strong. 
Seems that he doesn't get hit. Never gets touched. He doesn't put himself in positions to have to use physical leverage to I, get what I he guar- wants. I guarantee you those guys, they're a lot stronger than Nick Robertson. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. So don't even Nick is 5'10", 176, but according we, to Elite Prospects. We always talk, I, maybe this is more of a baseball conversation, but you always talk about how you just have to get lucky with other teams that have stuff that value your guys more than other guys. You know, you look at, there's, certain, there's some trades that happen, you're like, well, they want that guy? And certain teams just have certain ways they value different guys, and maybe Kipper's right about saying not wanting a 5'9", 160 guy. Like, maybe not a lot of teams covet that, but maybe you get lucky with a team that does, and they covered him highly, and you're able to move him. But I think they're very happy to do that if they, if that's like a centerpiece of a trade. Yeah. All right, I'm going on the guy. record that Nick Robertson's going to be a player. There it is. Okay. 420 on... He's he's a 20-goal yeah. 20 NHL forward, 25-goal NHL forward for six years in the NHL. Half the Leaf roster will be gone by then. <laughs> but, you Matthews know. Matthews will be playing in L.A. <laughs> I also no, like uh, hyper lowball. That know, was he, such a cop-out of an answer. All, all kidding aside, he's 20 years old. Yeah, so and driven yeah. and talented. Yeah, guess what, though? Don't need that now. In all honesty... He could be a hell of a player when he's 23. Great. Bunting. How old's Bunting? How long did it take Bunting? What, how 20, old's Bunting? 26. 26, 27. 26. 26. And he's played what? 70 games in his NHL career? Not even. But that's okay. And Nick Robertson may be that guy. Here's, the, here's the problem. Right now, not helping. Here's the problem, though, with this trade thing. Someone has to play for cheap on your team. And you need guys on ELCs that outperform their value, right? Mm. This is a thing now. And you don't have those guys. Those are the guys that are supposed to come in and go, yeah, you know why that team's able to have success? Because, you know, fill-in-the-blank player is still on their ELC and they're a contributor to the team. We see that all the time with teams that but have you can success. pluck anybody to do that. And, and Not that, that can play. And, and, I know, uh, yeah, Will Robertson, That, that, that I know. can play because they're not on the IR. Well, yeah. I think no, I, there, that's a factor too. Can I you be on the rink? To dig deeper into Kipper's point is that the timeline here with what Robertson's going to be and what the Toronto Maple Leafs do not sink. They're not linked up at all. You know, like I think there's a there. It's crazy to think that he played in the bubble. Looking back at that, that he was he got into those games and he scored in one of the games, didn't he? I know, but he was bad. He was. Everyone Listen, on Twitter just, pretended just, he wasn't. He I'm was just talking bad. about that. Yeah, I wrote about it. I he, just I don't think. I think if there's an opportunity and he can play himself into some value here with the AHL and he's not enough time. No, no, no. There there's is not? Kipper. Was there it is. seven weeks? Yeah. He's if he got, goes on a heater down there. There's he has no a good month puts up. I don't know. What's good in the AHL five, no. six. I don't know, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Like if, if he's a point per game guy for the next month in the American so, league. So my question remains is Kyle, do you think he is willing to go absolutely all in on this season in terms of picks and prospects to, to no. get what he needs? Yes. You don't think so? I don't. Yes. You do? I do. I don't. Why do you think that? What, what, just desperation? The window's closing. I think Kyle sees him as the GM here for the next 20 years. I don't necessarily disagree, but, and I'm not... I guess winning I'm a not, cup is a good way to stay the GM, to your point. I'm not even suggesting that he'd lose his job uh, losing in the first round. I see what you're saying. Like going in and showing the pursuit of the cup might be enough if they're actually good, win a round or two. God, the goalposts have moved for this this 
era of but Leafs they, hockey. I think they've moved because the division is so much better well, than the rest of the NHL. Maybe maybe we'll save the like, the rest of the storylines. He's gonna but I have a couple. You more know, that. Part, part of the part of the issue with the money ball is if you're fortunate enough to find great deals like Akasha, mm. like a camp. Mm-hmm. And Kemp has another year. Correct me if I'm yes. wrong. Bunting has another year. Yep. Kasha doesn't. Kasha's an RFA, though. So they have his rights. control over him. Uh, McKayev. He's gone. Have fun in Arizona. Right? Yep. But you got to replace these guys, too. And that's what, I guess, drafting and Nick Robertson's for. Oh, boy. Come that's, on, Nikki. Come on. Yeah, come on, Nikki. <laughs> Need you. Need you, Nikki. Need you, baby. I, I, do, I do believe that Kyle will establish this as, as one of those windows where we have to go for it. And I'll be shocked if the Leafs look pretty much the same March 21st as they do today. Mm. Drama. I love that. So, Me too. That, as, a, as a fan, that just gets people. I love yeah, the that. 726 winning percentage, and we're like, yeah, we need to overturn this. You know, if, if Nick Robertson's development isn't in fast forward like you guys want it to be, <laughs> Then how's te- Rodion te- teams <laughs> doesn't play teams are going to want a first rounder and a Lilligren and a Sandine. Those are the next prospects guys. And he may have to give up one. Matthew Nyes, Sammy's I, boy. I got to tell you right now. I don't, I like what Sandine is. Nyes, Nyes is the new Nick Robertson, by the way. Ah, he's going to go light it up for America. Just you wait. And he's going to be the hottest prospect. I, I, I cannot trade a Sandine, if I'm the GM, I can't. I can't do it. He's, he scares me too much of what he could become. For sure. But then that's how you end up with Dermot. Anyways, on that note. We should go to break. All right. We didn't even get into Jack Campbell. <laughs> I, got, I got two other things. We, 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 we got Th- tomorrow's mine. show. Let's, let's do this tomorrow. That's, that, that, that's mine uh, in terms of storylines in, in the back half. But And how Campbell's going to look behind Mrazic in the playoffs? I'm totally kidding, by the way. I just thought I'd get a reaction. All right, Sammy, you're giving me the break signal, right? Yeah, let's hit the break. Okay, when we come back, uh, we said Philip Thompson from the Chicago Tribune. We're going to follow up on the original uh, lead in our show today in Rocky Wirtz and the fallout from his comments yesterday at their town hall meeting. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.